Welcome to the Serving Leaders Podcast, where we talk about health and ministry leadership. On this episode, Sharon Betters, author of Treasures of Encouragement and Treasures in Darkness, addresses the wealth of experiences and lessons learned from being a pastor's wife for nearly 50 years. Our guest today is Sharon Betters, and Sharon is back. Um, We've talked to her before about um, her book, Aging with Grace, and um, she's also the author of other books called uh, Treasures in Darkness and uh, also Treasures in Encouragement. Uh, She's the co-founder of Mark Inc. Ministries, and one of the reasons I've asked Sharon back is because she has been in ministry for many, many years, and she's also ministered as a pastor's wife for close to 50 years. I could not let you go without asking you to give the benefit of your wisdom and experience to to the pastors who listen to this, to the to the pastor spouses who listen to this, as well as others, because you've had a lot of life experience. And Sharon, I want to open with a, a quote from your book, uh, Aging with Grace, right in the beginning, where you this caught my eye. It said, prolonged church conflict, life-threatening breast cancer, loss of our 16-year-old son, Mark. Add to these the care of our family and life as a pastor's wife. Jesus wasn't joking when he said, in the world, you will have trouble. The Lord did not put me in a sweet cocoon of grace during these dark times. I often wrestle to reconcile his love with his sovereignty. Sharon, you had a ton of experience, multiple areas of life, and I really want to focus our conversation initially, at least, uh, on your experience as a pastor's wife. Um, many, many of our listeners are familiar with Chuck, your, your husband, Chuck's, Chuck Better's uh, pastoral and radio ministry. Uh, but for those who don't know, uh, give us a little bit of his background, your background, and then we'll launch into some of the challenges that you've seen and lessons you've learned. Yeah, well, that's quite a story, and I'll try to make it brief, but um, Chuck became a Christian. Uh, He was Catholic and a very godly Catholic. Uh, We had a very tumultuous relationship uh, because I called myself a Christian, uh, but had a lot of growing up to do in my faith, and so he became a Christian, and then a year later, uh, almost a year later, uh, he felt a call into the ministry, and at the age of 21, He was pastoring a Methodist church in the city of Philadelphia and attending Eastern Baptist Seminary. So you can imagine um, God's grace in putting us in a little church that we considered our school as we looked back because we had a lot to learn. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was good stuff, but it was hard stuff. Our next church was also in the city of Philadelphia in Logan, uh, where uh, we spent five years and we heard later that it was during that period, it was back in the 70s, it had the highest rate of daylight gang killings in that neighborhood. And so we learned a lot there, but it was probably one of our most favorite times of ministry because it was, um, there was just such hunger and we had a strong relationship with young people. God just did an amazing work for us there. Then we came back to Delaware, to our home church where uh, Chuck was the associate pastor. And then, um, I mean, things were amazing. It was wonderful. I I can't even describe the honeymoon that we had with this church. We then became an independent church. And uh, that's kind of when things started 
going a little crazy because of theology. And we ended up um, experiencing four years of severe church conflict, which was devastating to us, uh, to me as a person. Mm. Um, you know, all the, all the trauma, all of the chaos, all of the garbage that you can imagine we experienced then. Then God led us to um, the Presbyterian Church in America. So he's kind of been all around the, uh, the world, um, but he landed strongly in the Reformed faith. And we were in our church, uh, a church plant for uh, 30 years. And that was amazing. It was an amazing ministry. Uh, so, so if I can interrupt yeah. you, so he planted, sure. he planted the church and then stayed because that's not so usual sometimes. Well, it was a church plant when oh. we went, it had just been planted. Okay. And so uh, it had not been in existence very long. In fact, Chuck was instrumental in getting them a place to meet and helping them get started. So we, we, he's called the founding pastor, but I would say he, he, they had someone in an interim for a little while. So needless to say, you and he have had close to 50 years of pastoral ministry experience. Yes. So let's talk about some of the challenges that you have faced. And we'll, we'll, right now we'll focus on, you know, the, the, there is a special role of, of the spouse of a pastor, right? Mm -hmm. You're the wife of a pastor. Tell us some of the challenges uh, that come to mind and, and some of the lessons learned as we, as we go through this. Well, um, being a pastor's wife is unique. Um, it's, I'm not going to say it's harder than other um, roles, but it's different. It's different than being the wife of um, a car salesman or even a CEO, because we are, are, we're bound to our congregation. Our congregation is our family. Mm -hmm. We uh, develop our relationships there. We raise our children with the other children of the church. We are intimately involved in the most personal and private pain of people in the church. Right. Um, so it's not just a job. Uh, my husband doesn't have a job that I have nothing to do with. I am very intricately involved. I was very traditional pastor's wife. Um, so I taught the Bible studies. I did all of those things, but I was very intimately involved in the lives of people. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me when I read an article um, where a pastor's wife is writing about how hard it has been and the comments, the snarky comments about your life isn't any harder than mine. Yeah. And I, who is not a pastor's wife. And I, I get it. I agree. Your life is probably harder, mm -hmm. but it's different. And it's so it, it's different. So if there's a problem in the church, mm -hmm. it could be with a friend. And all of a sudden our friendship has been radically changed because we can't talk about it. It's right. a lot different. So that's a challenge. I think another challenge is the fishbowl. Uh, I don't think that's as bad as it was when we were raising our children. I think that there's a much better uh, environment for raising children in um, the pastor's family than it was way back when we were raising our kids. So oh. The fishbowl yeah. phenomenon of just being seen, being judged, uh, making yeah. sure your children are, are as well-behaved, et cetera, because yeah. there's special scrutiny placed on you yeah. versus other people. Let, let me bring you back to this idea of personal and private pain. You carry, you, you're very aware of personal and private pain of the congregants. And also, these are some of the people who are your friends, acquaintances, and even intimate close friends. So you walk into church where the congregant has the opportunity to walk in and sort of see what's happening, participate in worship and leave. 
you experience something very different because you look around and you see people, but you know intimate details, et cetera. Yeah. Talk about the pressure there and the tension. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say that I have loved being a pastor's wife. So I want to make sure that um, your uh, viewers and listeners understand that I'm not here saying being a pastor's wife a terrible thing. I don't believe that. I have plenty of friends who feel that way, but I have enjoyed being a pastor's wife uh, because it has given me an opportunity to be friends with people that I probably wouldn't have been able to be friends with them. I think that sometimes um, people think, well, I was in counseling with her and every time she sees me, she's going to think about the horrible things I told her. And I, I want to tell you, for some reason, the Lord did not uh, give me that um, pressure. When I saw that friend, I would remember the hurt, but I wouldn't think about how awful her behavior was or you know any bad things that she did. Um, I just saw her as a hurting person and you, someone- If I could just jump in there because uh -huh. I think highlighted something very, very important. Uh, by virtue of your position as a pastor's wife, people view you differently and they even imagine how you view them yeah. differently. Yeah. Yes. Um, with judgment, maybe, you know, maybe looking down on someone because they've revealed something or you know something about their life. Yeah. That changes the nature of the relationship right off the bat. It does. And I, I think that is on us probably to just continue to be transparent and to be honest and to keep loving the person. Um, it, and it depends on what their triggers are. You know, it depends on what their past is. I mean, some people who have been terribly abused, it's not going to matter if you're the pastor's wife or not, they're going to feel judged and condemned. And it's, um, you know, it's a calling to try to make that person feel like they're safe with you. And so I, um, but you're right. There's this, um, it surprises me sometimes when somebody honestly says, wow, I thought you were this way, mm -hmm. but you're not, <laughs> you're actually nice, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, one of the other things you talked about was um, the, the idea of, of living in a fishbowl. Um, which then makes you have to imagine how people are looking at you. Mm -hmm. How do you stay sane in that? Because I think many people, particularly younger ministry leaders, really, really um, have to play a little bit with image management, mm -hmm. to play with their own, I say play with, but, you know, have to deal with their own imagination about how other people view them. Yeah. If I were able to um, give one piece of advice to pastor's wives, actually to anybody is stop being a people pleaser. Uh, mm -hmm. I struggled with it. I struggled with being a people pleaser uh, before I was a pastor's wife. And it really impacted the way that I, um, I related to people often how? Um, where I was, I was worried about the way, how are they going to feel about my kids? And so if my kids were uh, disobedient or having a meltdown, not only was I concerned about their behavior, but I was concerned about what are other people thinking about me? Mm -hmm. um, but here's a funny story. Um, it was a holiday service. I was by myself with my children, my four children. Uh, my husband was doing the service and our two boys, our younger boys were being so bad. I mean, they just were so restless and they wouldn't be quiet and they were picking mm -hmm. on each other. So I took them out and I disciplined them and I brought them back inside. And a woman sitting behind me who also had two boys said, I am so happy I was sitting behind you to see that your boys are normal. 
And that just, I thought, all right, maybe it's a gift that uh, I need to let people see that I'm normal. Yeah. But um, there is, there is, I think that we can drive ourselves crazy. We're not going to please everybody. Right. And so we have to keep going back to the word and to the Lord and to say, I am, I am God's child. Mm-hmm. And I have to make decisions based on what's best for my family, not on what other people are going to think. That's, it's huge. It's, it's a hard thing. I know. It, and you know, along those lines, you know, one of the big questions that comes up is how authentic should you be mm-hmm. with people in the church? Um, what are the risks there? How do you, how did you resolve that? Because, you know, some people take, oh, I'm a, I'm a professional, like the pastor says, I'm a professional. So I have to have professional distance mm-hmm. and other people are very, you know, personal and normal and authentic. What, what, what's your view on that? Well, I think that the Lord calls us to authenticity. He calls us to community. He calls us to relationships. And uh, Chuck and I have been very transparent in uh, whatever Chuck was going through. He would invite the congregation to go along with him. And so when our son uh, died, he invited the congregation to enter his grief with him. Mm. And I know that it was very painful for people and some people didn't like it. And some people left because they just, they didn't want to go there with him, but more people were encouraged to be honest about their own difficulties, their own wrestling, their own fears. And so I'm not saying everyone is supposed to do that, but for Chuck and me, we have found that transparency is um, the right pathway for us. Now that doesn't mean we say everything, we tell everything, but when it's about our walk with the Lord, our struggles, the risks are that there are going to be people who you don't um, please in that way. They, one family um, left the church and she said, I don't want to hear about how my pastor has a, a problem with anger. I don't want to hear about that. Well, somebody else needed to hear that message because they too had a problem with anger. And so, so that's the words, risk. In other words, Chuck and you w- would invite people to see you as you really are. So if Chuck had a problem with anger, he would talk about that even from the pulpit as yes. an, an illustration of how he's repenting or giving, giving it over to the Lord. Yes. Um, yes. And it's same with the same with the grief. Yes. What, what did you mean? I'm, I'm curious when you said he, he would invite the congregation to experience his grief with him. He, whatever he was experiencing that week, um, he had to wrestle with the Lord uh, with the loss of our son. Mark was, I mean, I don't have to explain it. Anybody who's been there, you know, and if you haven't been there, you know, you don't want to go there. And we're going to do a separate interview on that because I think that's so important and that people will benefit from to hear your, okay. but okay. just inviting them. He, so you're saying anytime, whatever he was experiencing, he would share to an appropriate degree with the congregation. Yes, he would. And <laughs> I'm sure that there are professional ministry people who would say that he went too far, that he shared too much. But I think he felt that this was, um, he couldn't be anybody else. That's who he was. And he believed that that's what the Lord wanted him to do. And sometimes the sermons would start out with a lot of anger. You know, he would say, I was very angry with the Lord this week and I didn't want to show up. And this is what happened. And this is how God brought me here. And this is how he used the word to challenge me. And so it's kind of like the psalmist where the psalmist would lament and yet always come back to, but I'm trusting the Lord. 
And that's where he was. And there were so many people. I mean, I found that with my own um, speaking. I was doing a lot of speaking and I would share honestly my wrestling. I was wrestling to reconcile God's love with his sovereignty. And I said, I know that for some of you, this is like uh, fingernails on a blackboard. You can't stand listening to what I'm saying, but somebody else is hanging on to life by her fingernails. And that's the woman I'm talking to. Yes. I, and I think, I think that some ministry leaders have an impression that they have to manage their image yeah. um, and to let people know how they're having, quote, victory in God or yes. successes and they're faithful. Um, whereas sometimes they don't realize that when you hear that there's an honest, real question or struggle, it's actually an encouragement and edifying to people. Yeah not necessarily a discouragement. Well, I, what I heard from women was I felt so guilty and ashamed. Uh, I couldn't talk to anybody about this, but now I realize I'm not bad because I'm having these questions. In fact, Dave, my belief is that it's a sign of strong faith when you are wrestling and you're running to the Lord with the wrestling. Um, It's biblical. Lamenting is biblical. And I'm afraid. I I think there's more attention now in in this um, season from Christians, but back then there wasn't. And I, the night of Mark's death, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but um, I remember saying, Lord, I've I've taught women to trust you. You are going to make beauty from ashes. But tonight I think I lied. Mm. I I don't know how you can bring beauty from this. And I need to know that I'm not going to put on the face I will not be the pastor's wife. Everybody thinks I'm supposed to be. I'm a brokenhearted mother and that's what they're going to see. Right. So and, the and, gauntlet was there. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and I think that's a great phrase. Not, I'm not putting on the face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let, let, let me ask you about conflict in the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know you've, ex- you've said you experienced a lot of conflict at certain yeah. seasons. Um, how do you handle that? How do you, how do you, um, mm-hmm. You know, you're you're living in a bubble, and some and it's 24 hours a day. Sometimes, how did you handle conflict? <laughs> what a big question! Um, I um, very carefully and through lots of tears. Um, there's a saying that those for pastors, I don't know who said it, but I love it. Uh, that those who you hurt the most for you're involved with the most in their hurt are the ones who will hurt you the most. And I think that's because you've poured so much into them and your, your love for them is so deep. And yet for some reason, they are the ones that not all of them, I'm not saying that, but when there is hurt, that's typically where it comes from is someone that you've trusted totally and completely. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course you had that happen to you. Oh, yes, I have had that happen. We've had uh, friends that I would have considered lifelong that would never, ever have been disloyal or hurt me and um, have walked away. And and then when I see them on the streets, they don't want to look at me. How did you I, go ahead? How, how did you handle that? What did, how did you handle your own heart? I cried a lot. <laughs> I, I cried a lot and I ran to the Lord with it and I begged him to help me understand. I mean, I, I think this, you have to keep going back to um, your theology. What do you believe? And this started back in the garden of Eden. 
you know, the conflict and the brokenness in the world. And I think we forget that we live in a broken world. It's a messy, broken world. We're sinners. I'm a sinner. I've hurt people. I, I would like to know, you know, someone that is listening, I've hurt them. I would like to know so I can make it better if I can make it better Uh, because I am a sinner. And um, so we're dealing with sinners and we're dealing with people who have strong feelings, strong opinions, misinterpretations of what we said. I mean, I think one of the hardest things is not being able to go around and put out all the fires, mm-hmm. you know, to go around and say to everybody, listen, this is the real, tr- real story. Yeah. Because in church life, you can't, you can't reveal confidences. You can't say, well, the reason this person is doing this is because this happened over here. You can't. You have to trust the Lord with revealing what the truth is. And so, so practically speaking, I would say, first of all, um, run to the Lord. And remember, he said, you're going to have trouble in this world, but he has overcome the world. Secondly, recognize that there are blessings here in the darkness. There are treasures in the darkness. You may not experience them right away or see them, but look for them. Trust that he is going to give you treasures. Thirdly, realize that um, he you're in a fire and he is, he will strengthen you through this, uh, through his word. He is not punishing you. He is giving you the gift of perseverance and Mm -hmm. perseverance leads to so much more in your life and preparation. Grieve, grieve over it. And you will always grieve over the broken relationships, but trust that you're not always going to feel this bad. You yeah. aren't, I promise you. You're so, not always going to feel this bad. You know, one of the things I'm hearing you say is be real with yourself, allow yourself to cry, allow yourself to go to the Lord and allow yourself to grieve. Yes. Um, in, in other words, you're being real with yourself, with yeah. God and with other people. And practically, you know, how can I trust anybody again? Um, yeah. And there are those who would say, I'm never going to trust anybody again. Um but I, I don't think that is uh, realistic for mm-hmm. any child of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we said earlier, he calls us to relationships. Now, I am not going to um, have an intimate relationship with someone who I'm pretty sure is not trustworthy because I've listened to them talk about other people. Yeah. I'm going to have an inner circle of friends. I'm not going to publicize it, you know, so that other people get mad because they're not part of that circle. But those friends will know that they are my go-to people. I'm going to be careful of what I say to others. I'm not going to gossip about it uh, with other people. And here's a hard one. uh, And I wish I had done this better. When someone comes to me and says, I think you need to know, to be able to say, I probably don't need to know. Um, You need to go to the church leadership with whatever it is you think is happening. And that's a hard one because I want to know. Sure. So Sharon, as we wrap up, um, this this section here talking about, you know, sort of the lessons you've learned as a pastor's wife. What advice would you give to any pastor's spouses who are starting out in their journey? I would say that um, check your priorities. Your first priority is with the Lord. Your second is with your husband and your children. Don't make decisions, uh, choices based on what's good for the church that put that decision above what's good for your family, uh, what's good for your husband. Your husband uh, needs a safe place. He needs to feel encouraged by you. Uh, you can be, you need to be his honest place where you can talk to him honestly 
about things that you see. He's going to be able to hear things from you, hopefully, that he might not be able to hear from someone else, but you are his cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And my, my top priority was, um, as a young wife, was to try, and I did not do it perfectly, but to make sure that my husband knew he was always safe with me, that I was always in his corner, and that I would always be an honest sounding board for him. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we would all do well to listen to our spouses when they <laughs> reflect reality to us when we can't. Yes. yes. I know Chuck has said he's written so many letters and then he's read them to me and I said, no. Oh. <laughs> so I think it's important to develop that kind of relationship with your, uh, with your spouse. I would say take time off together, just the two of you. Go to conferences together, just the two of you. Make sure that you are spiritually uh, encouraging one another, praying for one another. Pray for one another by name in front of each other. There's something powerful about doing that on a regular basis. Um, share with your husband what God is teaching you uh, because it could just be exactly what he needs in that moment. So um, you are his completer. And uh, so that means he's lacking. He's incomplete without you. Mm -hmm. So work hard to build that kind of relationship. Right. Which speaks to the importance of developing your own spiritual relationship. Yes, it does. Intimate relationship with Christ. Yes, it does. Sharon, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Really appreciate you. And I, we pray that uh, your words will encourage people. Thank you so much, David. Such a privilege and honor to be here and, and praying for those who will be listening and watching. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode at Serving Leaders Ministries podcast. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate it five stars. For additional resources or to find out more about our counseling services, you can go to www.servingleaders.org.